We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And there's been an ongoing conversation uh, between us where Mike's caught my ear a couple of times with a couple of things that he said about LeBron. And the tenor of it, and I I don't want to put words in your mouth, Mike, but what I've gotten from it is – It's a question and a debate of what is LeBron still capable of in year 20 and what is fair to ask of him in year 20. And so what's your perspective on LeBron coming into the season, Mike? Well, the most immediate perspective from Darvin Ham yesterday was that he looks incredible and from other guys that he's in great shape. And we've seen that right throughout the summer. So that he's way past what anybody in year 20 has ever been. So he is unique in that instance. There's nine Mm -hmm. other guys that have gotten to year 20. And he is not only the best of that bunch, uh, and by the way, mostly Hall of Famers, but he is in the best shape and he projects to have the best 20th season. But even while acknowledging that, I think what I've been what I've been trying to get across, and this is only my perspective, and this comes from watching him in person for, you know, the last, what has it been, four years now, that I'm just trying to to separate to some extent the who he is and what he's done and what the expectation that that he should be able to deliver this year is. And I don't know if I'm, I think I might be just slightly more towards the expecting other guys have to do more and pull more weight. Um, Even if not, and that's not saying that LeBron can't do it. It's just saying that I think it's, it's not fair to him and the player that he is and the age that he's at and the miles that he's had and the games that he's missed the last several years, which is the whole, that was LeBron's whole thing, right? For the first several years, like he was always there. He very rarely missed games and that hasn't been the case lately. And and I think that's ties in to where he's at at this point of his career. So it's, it's, it's the health, it's the, the weight that he has to carry. It's what needs, what has to come from a defensive wing when you don't have other defensive wings, like all of those things are reasons that I've been, I bet you picked up on that, Pete, I think is, is that, and I don't know if you, if you guys are in the same spot, 
um, or or not. And I suppose that's what we're going to discuss on the pod here. But that's been my basic perspective is that before I even see a preseason game or a regular season game, I'm trying to take a few percentage points off what the expectation level was the previous season. And, you know, I think that that ends up being significant when you try to figure out if you can win a title or not. And, you know, Darius, uh, I'm sure we're going to get into that. Yeah, like it's so tricky with a player of LeBron's caliber, right? Like I remember um, Brian Windhorst used to say like um, bet on LeBron's demise at like your own risk, right? Like and to a certain extent, I I'm not saying that you're talking about demise either, Mike, because you're clearly not. I'm just saying that that it's a tricky thing to start to predict when he will start to show um, a drop off in level to the point where he's no longer in that discussion for being one of the five or six or seven best players in the league. Because when you are in that conversation on any given night, you are the best player in the league when you are at that level. Which I think, Mike, to your point about, which is a sidebar point, if the Lakers are going to do anything this year, Anthony Davis needs to rejoin that sort of group, right, of of being in that conversation of on any given night, he looks like the best player in the world. But back to LeBron. Where I'm at with LeBron is that LeBron's game is changing. And it has evolved from the first year that he was with the Lakers. Mm -hmm. I remember his first game against Portland. I think his first two plays were dunks. And I was just like, oh, yeah, damn, LeBron James. And even those first couple of seasons, he had some highlight dunks that were otherworldly, like the dunk on Bielitsa. Do you remember that when he was with the Kings? Like the dunk on on, uh, Gorgie Jang? When he was with the Timberwolves, like there have been some athleticism plays that he's delivered where there are defenders in the frame right now. LeBron on a breakaway can still do something where you're just like, oh, my goodness, this dude's head is at the rim again or like look at his hand at the top of the square. But his game is different now and he is more of a jump shooter. Now he is more of a post player. Now he is much more of a get to my spot and go over the top of you with a jumper or with power than he is explosive and going by you with speed. And as his game changes, I think the volatility of his results is going to go up a little bit more. It doesn't mean he's not great still or that he's not going to put up stats or anything else. And and I think that is where I am with LeBron. It's not that he can't be the best player on a championship team or he can't put together another epic run. It's just that the dominance has started to look different and the nature of the dominance is more volatile. And because of that, there is less certainty baked into how great he can be on any given night. And I don't think that's unfair and I think that that speaks to some of what Mike is saying. So you were talking about his dunks a moment ago. I made a uh, ridiculously long YouTube video, if you get a chance to watch it. It's of every dunk LeBron has had as a Laker. And it's an, it's an hour and 43 minutes long. And it's in chronological order. So, And it includes preseason dunks. Every dunk he's had in a Laker uniform in, an, in a game. And... 
it was certainly a fun like trip back in time because that first year's like Lonzo and Bi and like young Kuz, yeah. you know, like and it was just different. Yep. Oh, look, hey, it's, it's Josh Hart. Yeah, right. You know, and and, <laughs> yeah. and so yeah. just these little like thinking of what's happened since then and those teams kind of in context of this like changing from the the young core team into the LeBron era uh, and that was that kind of transition year I kind of look at last year as a transition year in a respect as well because those can often be a little weird and grotesque in ways um, and so but one of the things that was great about watching that in chronological order was seeing exactly what you were just talking about unfold over the course of that hour and 40 minutes. And you see that the way LeBron goes about his business and just the way that he moves is a little bit different. And that's something that that's no matter how well you take care of your body, that's it's a what LeBron has done, Mike, is delay the inevitable, right? Now, I don't want to make it sound like, like I'm, you know, we're like he's not still an elite athlete because he is. And part of that is his utilization of strength. And this is where I want to go with this, Mike, is that what Darius was talking about, about it has to look a different way. His dominance, that, that first speed, turn the corner type of burst. And I really want to focus on that, that idea of, can we take some of that responsibility out of LeBron's hands to be the guy that just like gets downhill and gets to the rack? I would argue that was the whole idea of Russell Westbrook. That was the whole idea of Dennis Schroeder the year before is that rather than have that KCP, Danny Green, Avery Bradley type, who's going to be a three and D type of player, give you a guy that can take some of that burden off of LeBron. So anyway, I've gone a number of places with that, Mike, but where do you go with that? Yeah, we're back in that spot where I don't think any of us are saying something that the other would disagree with, right? I don't think there's any and and that was that was what I was getting at as I've been building to this well what to expect from LeBron in this season and it's not it's not so much about what he can't do because if you hey LeBron, you get bring a timeout, right? LeBron, we need this to happen right now. He can do it. He can do it all. He still can. He can do anything. Go get a, go get this guy a bucket. Go get one yourself. Go finish at the rim. But the the question is how many times you can ask him to do so. And it's not so much about the regular season. It's to get through four playoff rounds, which ultimately still, you know, I get not with his current roster, but that still is is at some point of what the goal is for this team. Can they get mm-hmm. to that point by the end of the season? And can you get LeBron to that point? And so what do you have to ask of him? And that's why instead of focusing on LeBron, because he still can do he can still can do that, but he can't do it in the way that he did it seven years ago. Of course, where regardless of regardless of who his teammates are, he can just he can get to the rim every possession in every playoff series. Doesn't matter who else is on the court. And if it's some other big man, a big man that's going to be trying to like be at the rim, then he'll just pull that guy out to the perimeter like he's always got a different answer. And that is the LeBron that I think is you can't expect that that one is going to be there Mm. at this stage of his career with how much the rest of the league has grown with how many good teams there are in the West. And that's why Darius mentioned Anthony Davis earlier. All right. What's he going to do this year? Pete, you mentioned the idea of the Russell Westbrook trade and the idea of somebody else being able to take some of that burden so that LeBron can do it in spot. So that's really more where I'm at. I'm not trying to take things that LeBron can do off the table I'm just trying to take some of them off of the table until he really needs to do it. 
And and that's why we've been focused so much on what the rest of the roster so is. So I'd like to go in the direction of Le- like what does LeBron have to do differently to maintain because I, I still think uh, amongst all all that we've said about his uh physical abilities that there are ways to bridge that D and that's something that we've seen in great players over the course of history uh this is something Kareem if you watch Kareem from 1975 or compared to right the one that won the last two chips with us D it's like a different dude and he adapted and it was part of his brilliance and that that is part of their commonality right LeBron's about to pass him this year and both of them, I, I, I don't think, uh, were entirely appreciated for all that they know and understand about the sport. And so I think that there's still there's still ways for LeBron to be dominant through his brilliance and through his skill. He took the 15th most threes in the NBA. Yeah. He shot eight threes a game last year. 15th most in the NBA. That I, yeah. I think all of this ties together that he can do it in a different way. Yeah, no, and he's already shown this isn't new right you talked about last last year but it's been this way for seven eight Mm. nine years now the continued growth in his game and the added skill like go talk to greg Mm. popovich about the difference between when he faced lebron the first time in the finals in 2007 and what his game plan was versus when he faced him in the finals in 2012 and 2013 Mm -hmm. or whatever those seasons were with the when lebron was was with the heat ask him how much his game plan changed ask him what the difference was with lebron as as a player these are the steps and growth that he's made it's the reason why he's in line to break Kareem's record because if he only was a put your head down and go to the basket sort sort of player, he probably would have been injured more by this point in his career, right? D- regardless of what his physical attributes are, how strong he is, a- and how he seems to be made of titanium and he'll just shake off an ankle sprain like it's nothing, right? Like, And he still does do that stuff too. Right. But it's the idea that, oh, well, you know what? Like some of these jumpers are worth three and and sometimes they're worth four based off of me, like taking a hit and still being able to knock them down. And that's not who he was in year five, six and seven of his NBA career. Right. And so it is going to be through skill and it is going to be through the ability to hit jump shots and score from the post and draw and draw defenders off of pick and rolls where he is then stringing out his dribble and then and then hitting a guy who is either on a flare screen who is camping weak side but is like sliding in and Pat Bev mentioned this the other day Mike that's just like he was, uh, you know, patting himself on uh, the back a little bit about like how playing off of a great player and it's screening angles and this, this, that and the other. But the thing that he did mention is when you get to the spot, the ball is on you and it's in your shooting pocket. It's there. And that's LeBron has always had had that skill. But the effectiveness that you're talking about, Pete, and that dominance comes from the bridging of all of those skills now together where it's not just a complimentary part of this where it's just Mm -hmm. like I get downhill whenever I want and when you collapse on me, I spray it out to someone. It's no, I can get to a spot on the floor, turn and dip my shoulder and then as the defender starts to creep because he stepped out of the paint 
after two seconds, and now he's back in. Right when he steps back in, the ball is out of LeBron's hands and going in the opposite direction to the guy that that dude is now helping off of, right? It's this synergy between all of his skills coming together in order to still be a top flight player. And that's who he is now. And it's not the like, oh, I'm this other version of Giannis, which is what LeBron was for the longest time, right? And so Mike, it is going to have to be through a, well, he shoots more jumpers now and those jumpers are going to have to fall. But do you think that that's an effective way for LeBron to still dominate and and to be one of the best players in the league? Because I think that that's the direction that his game has gone in now. It doesn't mean he's no longer going to drive, but the jumper is way more important to him now than it's ever been. Yes and no. This Uh, is what... So I asked Anthony Davis a question. This was was yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. And it was basically about, okay, so Darvin Ham's system is new, right? What what are you starting to pick up about your spots? And, And I wanted to leave it relatively open. But in my own, as I'm asking the question, in my own mind, like what I'm trying to get at is, well... LeBron's going to be shooting more Mm -hmm. to the point that you were just making. And so I don't know if I'd love Anthony Davis shooting a ton from the perimeter because of the what like what defenses are going to do. And so if LeBron is going to shoot more as as he has to and as he should and he's a good three point shooter now, then A.D. has to create some more pressure to me on the rim. Mm -hmm. And like those are the those are like getting to the free throw line. You know, not just basically everybody spread out and you got this four out and then maybe you have Damian Jones rolling to the rim and then whoever else. But like who's somebody has to be the guy that's putting that direct pressure on the rim. I don't think it's going to be Russell Westbrook right in the context that maybe they thought to start last season. Well, maybe he's the guy that can break down the defense some and then both AD and LeBron can play off that and everybody can win and Russ be Russ. Like that's the point where. I'm I'm wanting and in, in feeling like AD's the guy that has to, that the defense is going to have to react to if he's aggressive in that way. But when it when when I don't know that that's going to happen, that's when I start to think, okay, well then the offense isn't isn't going to work that great if LeBron is shooting a threes a game and Davis is just going to take the open shots that he gets. Then where is the pressure, you know, on the rim really going to come from? And how does that? How do you become yeah. a great team in that way? I get you can be, become a good team especially on the nights that you're shooting the ball well, Pete. But that that part, to me, is what's unclear yet as this uh, this attack is being planned. I, I love this. The, the pressure on the rim is essential. This is something that you and I really agree on. And I think that what you were saying earlier about that version of LeBron that, like, when it came down to it, could just get to the rim every time that he wanted to. Like, this is what Giannis does now, right? Where it's like, you know what's coming. Shaq was like this. And it just, like... It gives such a high floor for your team to be able to do that. And it's rare, Mike. Steph does it in in his own way because either like either you have to bring the attention over to him or he'll like shoot the three. But if you don't, then he'll just get his way to the rim eventually. Right. And and either he can either finish. And that's always there. Like that's every half court possession. Steph can do that and it can break down. the Exactly. Defense. And so that pressure on the rim, <laughs> that pressure on the rim from the Lakers perspective, let's let's talk about that. First and foremost, yes, Anthony Davis has to be at the center of that. He has to be the guy that occasionally gets to the free throw line 20 times because they just can't guard him. And AD's been expressing a certain degree of enthusiasm about that, right? Like about like, I can't wait to get to this and 
I think that this style of offense, especially if if he puts him in the slot as much as I think and hope that he will, um, that slot position gives him a lot of I can either be the ball handler, shot creator, or it flows right into a handoff and now we're in a pick and roll. So I'm a roll guy type of thing. So it really plays on the offensive versatility that AD has. And so he can start possessions in ways where, yeah, LeBron is totally chilling in the weak side corner and he's maybe the skip pass on a play. Right. Uh, And so and then Russ will be one of those players that's important in that. Like one of the things for Russ to be effective, I would argue, Darius, on putting pressure on the rim, he needs a partner. He he needs a running buddy at that five spot or whoever's rolling to the rim. Because like Russ didn't struggle getting to the basket last year. What happened once he got there, you know, that that was an adventure sometimes. But Russ can still get to the rim and is still a power player and a very unique type of player and the gravity that that creates when it's along with a role threat that you have to like i'm not just gonna leave and and totally commit to russ on his drive because damian jones is in the dunker spot and he reads that very well you know and and so russ is not capable of doing that on his own anymore i would argue as as that i am the sole put pressure on the rim type of guy but i do think that in tandem and that it's not just him it's it's him and kendrick nunn and pat bev has been a point guard in the past right and has handled the ball a bit we got a lot of those guards this is that usage of dennis schroeder this is how you win with small guard type lineup so let's take a break when we come back get more into this idea We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So it is super interesting. Like, I agree with everything that you guys have said about Russ and particularly AD, but I do want to bring the focus back to LeBron because I do think that there are still ways for LeBron to be the guy who Mm. threatens the rim because that is still where he's at his best because his passing is so elite still that him having two feet in the paint a fair amount is going to lead to shots from him and and great shots for teammates that I think you can't just regardless of how much LeBron can rely on his jump shot or not, right? And on nights, he might hit five, six, seven threes. But if that's all he's doing, you're losing a key part of your offense, which is his passing and what happens when he collapses the defense. And so I've been just eating up, lapping up 
every little clip that the Lakers social team is putting out on practice pieces where it's just like, oh, look, there's a clip. Who's wearing purple? Who's wearing white? Like, who are the teams, right? Darvin Ham's not, Darvin Ham is telling us James Worthy is starting next to LeBron and AD, right? So I'm trying to get a sense of, of who these lineups are. But some of the things that I've been seeing, even if it's just in, in shell drill stuff, is Pete, that same sort of handoff action stuff. And when you're in the slot, oh, 100%. Like, he's going to be in the other LeBron's going to be yeah. in those positions, yeah. too. What, one of the plays that I've been seeing a few different times is Kendrick Nunn coming off of LeBron screens. Yeah. Right. And like this is where LeBron and I, I messaged you guys this the other day. According to Cleaning the Glass, LeBron played, I think, 48% of his minutes at center last season. Only 6 or 7% of LeBron's minutes per Cleaning the Glass, 7% of his minutes came at small forward last season, right? Think about that, right? And so, like, 90% of his minutes were, 93% of his minutes were at power forward and center. He played nearly half the game at center. So LeBron's been doing more big man things. He's not playing point center where he's out there like always at the top of the key. Trust me, he's he's doing that too. But he was setting a ton of screens. Some of the some of the most passive aggressive <laughs> actions that I saw from LeBron last season were when he set a ball screen and then he dove hard to the basket only for the ball to go somewhere else. Like, and mm-hmm. he's like, I was open there. Like the pocket pass was there and you see him get downhill and he's wanting the right. pocket pass. And then the ball, it's like swing, swing. And then the shot misses. And it was like, it brought back shades <laughs> of Kobe a little bit where he's like, these MFers, don't they know who I am? Right? Like the ball's supposed to go to me there. And so I do think that his, his ability to threaten the rim is going to be more dependent on his teammates too. Like, and can he, can he pick and roll more? Can he get into the post more? Are guys going to open up? Like LeBron is going to set more interior. Like, is he going to set more interior screens? Is he going to screen and seal? Are there going to be more actions that allow him to be a cutter in order to get downhill from those slot positions, because these are ways where if you talk about the explosion being gone somewhat as an off the dribble player, if he doesn't have to have the ball and he can start on a dead sprint to get make down, life easy downhill on him, absolutely. and then someone gives him the ball, he's still going to be a great finisher around the basket and guys are going to clear out of the way from him. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the evolution of LeBron as sort of an off-ball worker or as a tandem partner for guys who are going to help create shots for him because I do think that that is the next step for him as well as he transitions to this phase of his career. Yeah, I think that's the whole thing, though. We're talking about it as if other guys have to be incorporated. And in the past, it was it was just he'll figure it out and he can go do it and that can essentially carry you through a season. but. That is that is the difference. And Pete, let me kick that to you, because I just wanted to kind of emphasize that point. Sure. Right. But I'm curious your take on this. Well, so the the off ball work, when you look at the construction of our team as well, we've got so many guards that would indicate LeBron, the big man as well. Right there. It would make sense that we would be running actions of that. So it also gives you the opportunity to run a lot of inverted stuff. We run uh, inverted ball screens for AD a lot too. So if it, LeBron, and so it's funny, uh, 
Darwin and AD had, and this is a different topic, but they made comments yesterday about implementing the defensive scheme. And AD was talking about having to kind of fight his instincts and he's playing in these deep drops, right? And so, and Darwin was talking about that as well. And so that's a whole nother pod about like the Milwaukee system. And that's, it's super conservative in some aspects. And it's like, is AD not going to be deployed? Anyway, again, different pod, but coming up. But within that, that's telling me that AD is the guy who's guarding the ball screener in the first place. And a lot of the lineups that they were talking about, I too, even though I work there, D, I'm doing the same thing that you're doing uh, with the practice footage, some of which I'm editing, not these ones, but right. Some, but with all of it, like I'm going through it. Okay. All right. Who's, who's wearing the red jerseys? All right. This is the South Bay crew. Oh, they got this group, right? And I've noticed a couple more AD at the five groups then and just along with the conversations as well where it's like we haven't really talked about that as much we've talked way more about the return to two bigs ad at the four and so all of that ties together in that i'm curious if there's a version of this rotation that's just small and fast where i think I think we'll start start big, but that whole idea of being able to run inverted ball screens on both ends of the court would be super difficult to guard. And we have the personnel to do that. This plays into that bigger idea of we've just got so many guards and ball handlers, Mike. That's something where my mind goes is that like if AD and LeBron are your bigs and you have like guards that can dribble, no offense to the 2020 team, they want us a chip. But those were guys that that's not you're not running pick and rolls for them and they're not putting pressure on the rim all that often from that. But you have guys where that's what they do, right? That's what Dennis Schroeder does. Kendrick Nunn comes off of handoffs. That's what he does. And so guys that do that, turning LeBron into more of a big man, I mean, we saw him average 30 points a game last year. That's incredible. That was such a spike, right? And I know it wasn't as serious of a team, but he did that while playing those 49 minutes at center, like D said. So this is an interesting topic as LeBron's about to break the all-time scoring record of, I think LeBron is going to be more of an off-ball scorer than he's ever been in his career. Yeah, so a couple Spectrum shows ago, it was the question was essentially LeBron over unders on and they put up all of the stats and I found myself going over on the scoring mm. and under on the passing and just thinking that that part of what the script was last year and it, again you guys just talked about it the big man stuff the the shooting more volume from three and just the the amount of playmakers that are around the roster that are on the roster this year so that is I, I do think that that ends up playing out a little bit more like that this year but it's it's back to kind of the who's going to start what the rotation is going to be and I think that remains to be seen as as you've heard how many times Darvin Ham has been asked about lineup and rotation and he's being very coy so far but I would be surprised at this point if he doesn't give mm-hmm. Russ at least kind of like the first shot you know, based just, just to kind of the way that's, that's what things have sounded like, okay. Coming out of practice and, and then we'll see how he plays out of that. And then next to him, I think it's really coming down to none in Austin um, as the two guys, like, first of all, and Troy Brown have not really played much so far and Schroeder is in Germany, you know? So that part of that, I think just is, is because of who's been there and who's been available and then we'll see how those guys play. But 
So if that is what the backcourt is going to be to start, and let's just say maybe because of shooting and or even if it's just pedigree, mm-hmm. is, a, is a, we've all talked about how great Austin is, but maybe none gets the advantage to start because of that. And and I don't know that to be a fact, and I don't think that Darvinham yet knows for sure what that's going to be. But how do you think, Darius, that would play in for the discussion we've been having about LeBron and offense and what his mm-hmm. role is going to be if you start with Russ and, say, Kendrick Nunn? No, I I think that a lot of the stuff of what we're talking about, about him being a screener and an off-ball player, I think that that stuff is going to hold true regardless of of there, there's just so many guards. Um, but, like, I also don't want to go too, too far yeah. with that. He's LeBron James. Like, he's yeah. going to start possessions with the ball in his hands. Like, when Darwin was talking about him, he said, you know, his ability to grab it and bring it it's just like, look, if LeBron's on the glass, do you think he's outletting Mike? I don't think he's outletting. That's just what I'm saying. It's just like, if he's grabbing a rebound, like he might throw the hit ahead, but I don't think he's Carl Maloneing it and like shoveling it off to the point guard so that he could get on his horse and run the wide lane, right? Like that's not what we're talking about here. And so I still think LeBron's going to do plenty of offensive initiating. He's going to get plenty of touches where he's in the middle of the court and making the key decisions as um, as a ball handler and and as a finisher. And I think that's how a lot of possessions are going to unfold still. He's LeBron. Yeah, the transition stuff is one area that hasn't really changed much. He was still super dominant in, in transition. He still has the speed. He still has, you can't, he still has got the locomotive thing where once the train gets on the tracks that guys have to bounce out of the way. And even if his explosion to the dunk as witnessed in Pete's video is slightly different as how could it not be in year four than year one with the Lakers. It's not, it's like that margin that I talk about in the shooting. Like that's the difference between 36 and 37% where it doesn't matter. Yes, absolutely. But it's also a function of his, there's never been a player who's been able to marry knowledge of the game with strength to the degree that LeBron does. Because on those locomotive plays, he's actually using a ton of technique. Like, it's been such a treat to watch him up close from all the cool angles that I get to watch and, and learn more about basketball. And this dude will bump people. When they're in like the worst possible spot, D, they're like standing on one foot or their hips are turned a little bit and he'll just like deliver that forearm and it's not, it's a legal play, right? Or it's a shoulder, but it's something like his understanding on how to use leverage and balance. And it's all this like accumulation of knowledge going into year 20 that the strength is one of those things. That's the last thing to go in a basketball player, you know, and like LeBron. And this is part of the reason why I'm like, yeah, give me LeBron for the next few years. I know how old he is and I know what year he's in, but he's got some elements of his game that are eternal Mike and yeah that I like I, I'm in on that Pete that point that you just made about the little intricacies that give LeBron those edges it's very hard to pick up on even for somebody that's uh that's like unless you've played at a certain level and this is where we get into that that part where certain analysts having played gives them the cred but I I learned this kind of thing and I I still don't know it great but I played one-on-one oh, I yeah. think I may have referenced mm-hmm. this before with Teresa Edwards uh, who's an all-time great women's player um you know four-time olympic gold medalist you know legend 
And she was a she was an assistant coach for the Minnesota Lynx back in the day, um, slash occasional broadcaster. So when I was with the Timberwolves and, and practices would be in the gym <laughs> and one time in you know, she loved to talk trash. And so once she was like, What you I bet you think you could beat me. I'm like 44. What do you think? <laughs> and I didn't even really understand what she was doing, but just the the the, the yeah. place, the part of my body that she would put her hand on, no, really. And the the step that and it was really it was I I really couldn't understand yeah. it. I probably I wish that were filmed and then I could watch and she would almost break down. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I put my hand on your hip in this Man. way to move you to this spot. And yeah. so LeBron has that ultimate advanced, advanced, advanced degree. <laughs> on, and it's again, I don't really understand exactly what was happening, but I I could tell that I, nobody had ever done it before, right? And this was a whole different level of of using skill and using knowledge and, and all of the stuff that you can probably pick on to some extent in the film room. But when even if you mm-hmm. put like, uh, you know, Juan Toscano Anderson next to him when he was yep. doing it in practice, he might not fully even have known how LeBron did it. So this is all great. And I could talk about LeBron and his mastery of the offensive side of the ball for another half an hour. Right. But before we wrap up, I think it's important mm. that one of the things we haven't really discussed at all oh, is man. defense. And this entire year 20, this year 20 conversation, and we've been waxing poetic about LeBron. And I still think LeBron can be a guy who lives in the top five, if not, you know, top five, top 10 in scoring. He's going to write like he's going to make his bones as a dominant offensive player, and he'll be that. But Mike, we started this conversation about what's fair to ask of LeBron. And behind the scenes, I think we've all been talking about, well, what's fair to ask of him defensively? Yeah. And what are the asks going th- to be of him? Yeah, I'm like kicking myself right now. We're like 37 more, minutes. We should have gotten to this sooner. This. We won't yeah, talk well, about yeah. this more in a future pod. But yeah, thank you for bringing this here. Before we go, I just think it's important to say that I know we all have varying degrees of what we think LeBron can and should be doing defensively. But... I am of the mindset that while he should not be asked to be the elite wing defender anymore, that he needs to be a awesome team defensive player as much as he can be. And he needs to be putting in effort on that side side of the ball. And his commitment to that is going to be super important for the strength of this team. And I just wanted to sort of put that out there as a thought to both of you before we wrap up, because this is a longer conversation. And it's probably a whole nother pod about year 20 on defense, because we just did a lot of year 20 on on offense but where are you guys at just within the context of that idea because i do not think this lakers team can be successful if he is coasting defensively he needs to be in it in whatever level that he can be well that was a great summary of it i mean and that's that's part of the it's not a concern it's the it's the stuff we already qualified it right we already qualified it in talking about what the expectations should be for this season but how do you do that, right? That, and that's why we need another pod for it. How do you be a great team defender while having to to conserve enough mm-hmm. energy to still be the guy that's needed as he's needed on offense? And how to do that in transition? And that's that was a big problem last year, right? And if and if and I that's the part where I don't know that I can ask him to do it great in transition which means that everybody else has to do it great. Like all four other guys. Mm -hmm. And they have to understand that this guy is in year 20 and and I'm not. 
And sometimes in order for us to get through the season. So, but that's, that's a whole nother thing. Let's get to Pete's summary thoughts. You guys basically hit on it is that you ask him to do less and you ask him to do it well. That's basically what it comes down to is that you like, I suspect that he's going to be guarding the strong side, strong side corner a lot. And in this particular scheme, it's so like protect the rim, protect the rim at all costs that it's a fairly simple read. It's a fairly simple rotation. And it requires you to like to it requires more awareness like, oh, the ball is here, so I should be there. But it, it is, doesn't have the chase around quality that Vogel's system has. There are fewer like low man rotations. Just you're running less. And so that's what I think is fair to ask. Uh, ultimately, D is like to ask him to do less in a simpler scheme and do it well. And I think that's what it ultimately comes down to. We can get into a whole bunch more of the details on that, uh, but we got to wrap up here. Good pod, guys. We will be back next week. We've got our first game on Monday. We may may do a show before, may do it after. We'll see. All right. You guys have a good weekend. That'll do it for this one. We'll catch you guys next time here on the Laker Film Room Podcast. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. A lot of Laker fans well, sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Missing. again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.